Welcome to Unity Broadcast. I'm Anthony Morales, co-director of Social Impact on Union Board, the largest student-led organization at Indiana University. And you're listening to our Black Lives Matter student discussion. Joining me along on this very impactful conversation is my fellow co-director, Sadia Habib, and special guest from IU's very own Black Student Union. So sit back, and enjoy this podcast from the comfort of your own home. You're currently listening to Episode 3, Enough is Enough. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you guys are all staying safe and doing okay and definitely taking time for yourselves during a very difficult time for a lot of people. As you know, in the wake of George Floyd's death, Breonna Taylor's, Ahmaud Aubrey, Tamir Rice, Trayvon Martin, I mean, the list goes on and on. It's important for us to sit down and not only talk about how we can support the Black community, but what are ways that we can enact real change. And for those who continue to remain silent or continue to not educate themselves, there's absolutely no room for ignorance in 2020. And as the inspiring advocate Alicia Garza best put it, Black Lives Matter is an ideological and political intervention in a world where Black lives are systematically and intentionally targeted for demise. So with that said, I'm very glad and fortunate to have four special guests with us today. If you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves. My name is Adrian Robinson. Hello, my name is uh, Kai Freeman, I'm the president of Black City Union. Hey guys, I'm Tiana Williams. I am a co-social chair for Indelay Hey everyone, my name is Ariana Cousins. I am the vice president of the Black City. Awesome. Thank you guys all for being here today. I really appreciate it. Um, we have a lot to unpack today, so I'm going to go ahead and hand it over to Kai. Do you want to kick us off here? I do. Thank you so much, uh, Anthony. So the first question, y'all, is how are y'all doing? Like, mental health right now is a big <laughs> Things. so let's let's get a check-in going i would say you know though the tragic death of the recent victims is horrible it's unfortunately not new um i think it was overwhelming at the time when it all started and the protests are starting and you know i'm seeing my neighbors angry so now i'm angry and I'm emotional but you know after protesting i'm you know i'm finding peace i feel like we're actually seeing some some minute changes enough for me to feel good waking up you know i'm gucci as a um i will say that i'm extremely exhausted i'm extremely tired um and it's just the simple fact that this is something that is continuously happening not just now not just 2020 but 400 years of just um african-americans just being you know acting like we're just not here like just being mistreated and um, I'm just exhausted. I'm just tired. And there's just been a lot of work that um, everybody on this campus, all the black students, it's just not just me. It's just not just black student union. It's just everyone here that's having to put in work that should have already been done. But, um, you know, like I say, it's better late than never. So. Yeah, similar to Ariana. Um, I, feel, I feel tired. Um, there was anger. Um, there is anger, but it's really just like exhausted. Uh, at some point, I feel like it's just, it's just a constant situation. It's always something. It's always been something. Um, and sometimes it's, uh, it gets to, to the feeling of almost feeling hopeless that, that this is just how it is because that, this is just how it's been, you know? And, you know, it's been this way. We just have cameras now and faster accessibility to, uh, I guess the internet, but it, it just seems like this is the way of life. And it just seems, uh, well, yeah, it's it's a normal that I don't want to get used to. Well, <laughs> dang. Um, I would have to say I definitely do echo all of the um the sentiments that have been made. Um and it's it's almost a little sad kind of looking at it is that like it's now normal to see black people killed again at the hands of police brutality or any type of atrocious like racist act that has happened. And it's like 
we literally can watch it on a phone screen and be like, dang, that's wrong and feel so outraged by it, but still sit there and watch it. Like, it's like, right. it's so dehumanizing now at this point is that we're absolutely, because we've seen it so much, there's a learned helplessness to kind of what's going on in the world. So what do you kind of do to, to, let's see, what do you kind of do to, um, you know, take that time. Cause I know like watching those videos of George Floyd, I know like we all might've seen it, might not like, how did you kind of like what initial reaction to it? Like what's going on? I'll say for me, it took me a long time to watch the video. I'm not even gonna lie. It always takes me a while to um, just kind of process and watch videos like that. Just because it's hard, it's hard to sit there and watch somebody be brutally murdered. Like it never, it doesn't get easier. Um, it gets harder. Matter of fact, for me personally. Um, so when I watched the video, I just I remember just sitting there in disbelief, with my mouth open, like, wow, like this did not just happen right in front of my eyes, like. And it's not even the fact that it was, I mean, it was right in front of my eyes on camera. And so um, it's just always hard seeing that. And, um, but I will say that even though it always takes me a while to watch videos, it's important for me that I watch the videos because it's important that I understand how they felt in that moment and understand why I'm going so hard and fighting for um, injustices in the system. Yeah, um, I feel similar, but sort of opposite. Um, I don't think I've seen the George Floyd video yet. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think I have any intention on doing it. Um, just because I feel like, and I feel bad. Like Sometimes I feel like a, ba a bad black man, but it's like, I don't want to. I don't want to watch those videos. I feel bad that sometimes I get um, circumstances mixed up just because it's so frequent. You know, um, there was a time in high school where it went like Trayvon Martin, then... Uh, Eric Gardner happened. It was just, it was just, you know, week after week after week, it was something. And, and it just, it gets overwhelming because there's so many names and cities and circumstances and how many shots. And it's just like, it was too much. Um, but at the same time, I do, uh, I do want to, want to be a part of change. And I don't know, I just feel like it's very conflicting. Um, just having these videos so accessible. So it's kind of tough like that. Yeah, I feel that, especially with, everyone's hesitancy with watching it um i've watched it but of course it's always hard especially as being a, a black person because that could really be my dad that could be my cousin that could be my uncle like seriously i don't think people really put weight into that and as we continue to like see these cases it's like i don't even want my dad to go outside like and he's a grown man you know i shouldn't have to fear him going outside but I definitely, at least in, in, in my, in my house, you know, there was a time where my dad was like, well, you need to watch Roots. And I'm like, I don't want to mm -hmm. see that. You know, I don't want you know, <laughs> yeah. to feel the way, I don't want to see us being slaughtered the way they used to do us. And he was like, you have to see it. So I don't, I don't downplay anyone who doesn't want to see it. Cause I understand how that is just a lot to process because it's a very real thing. Um, but I just, there's a, seeing it, it puts, it just puts, it puts weight in it. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily, but you get the weight regardless as people in, within this community, but specifically to people of non-black communities. I feel like you ha you can't not see the video and then say that you, you, you stand with us and you see us. And I'm like, no, you got to see what we see. You got to you got to know what we have in our heads at all times you know absolutely um so i guess to, to to echo that to echo that um like how do you feel about maybe like the students continuing to share this video like how does that kind of because it's just like you know we want people to acknowledge what's going on but like at the same time even with sharing the video it's like uh here we go again so how do you kind of like mm -hmm push people through that or like kind of take that moment back, I guess, like for yourself, like, uh, is that the most effective way to really speak out about it? Yeah, I think it is. Um, one thing that I was just curious about was like, why, why did America stop for George Floyd? Why, what, why, why and how was he different? And personally, I think it's because, so again, I haven't seen the video, so it was news to me that that was nationally televised. Um, I was like, why was that on national TV? But at the same time, 
I feel like white people got involved because they saw it in their home and it was close to home. Um, and, and just because of the exposure and the, and the, and the, what were I thinking about? And just the, how fast you can share that and, and distribute that, that video, that's what made it, um, that's what made it turn into this, this huge movement because the video was out there for people to see. So yeah, I think the video is, um, I think sharing videos like that, um, or like this is, is helpful. Um, but it does get overwhelming, but at the same time, I don't think it'll stop. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause as triggering or as a, as hard as it is to watch, like just imagine if someone didn't record that, yeah. like look all that's going on. And then like, what if we did not have that video? So that's why I'm like, I really do empathize with people who don't want to see it and don't want it to be shared. Um, but even like on Twitter, I learn about every day of like some black girl being kidnapped mm -hmm. or like the recent um, findings of the soldier's body. Like, well, I'm not seeing that on the news. I'm seeing that on my timeline. Yeah. So honestly, sharing it, unfortunately, is more reliable for other people to watch it than the news. So with that, how do you um, how do you feel about the media coverage of everything that's kind of been going on with like the protests, you know, George Floyd. I think that's a that's what you kind of like got me going on, Tiana. Um, I'll say I've been kind of like iffy about the media coverage because mm -hmm. with media, there's good media and there's bad media. But a lot of the times it's like 25% good media and 75% bad media. So with this whole scenario, um, a lot of the times what I was seeing um, happen as this kind of unfolded, unraveled, is it, it became less of, let's talk about the George Floyd situation and what's happening with his murderers and more of, why are all these people looting? What mm -hmm. does this yep. have to do <laughs> with the fact that a man was, somebody put a knee on somebody's neck and he told you that he couldn't breathe, but you've been professionally trained on how to handle situations like these. But we're talking about people looting, but somebody just killed a police officer just killed an unarmed black man. And this has been going on for years. So that's my issue with the media because they're focusing on things that are problematic um, to them. And to them, I mean, to the white people and not problematic to African-Americans and what they've been going, what's been going on um, with them for forever. But that's how I feel about the news. I'm really like iffy about it. It's just, is what it is. I think you, you bring up like a really good point. I think I want to kind of like backtrack on like some of the things that you said. It's just like looting. Um, looting has been the topic of discussion from everybody kind of when they're looking at this Black Lives Matter uh, protests and things like that. First of all, let's acknowledge there's no right way or wrong way to protest. Mm -hmm. Boom. And then on top of that, people have to fundamentally understand what looting is. Looting is the biggest attack on a capitalistic market that you absolutely can do. Mm -hmm. And the reason that people loot, while everybody might not be out there for the same reason, is because the government has deemed products more valuable than your own human life. So let's get rid of these products so now you can see me, so now you can hear me. But that's what people are... You hear them say, well, you know, I'm all for Black Lives Matter, but, you know, just stop the violence. But it, it wasn't violent when they was kneeling on this man's neck. It wasn't right. it wasn't violent when they shot the unarmed black man and here it go again. We have a, a an encyclopedia of names of people who have like faced like literally terrible demise at the hands of like police brutality. But then on top of that, police brutality ain't the only reason that we mad. Mm -hmm. Right. But still, like why is your conditioner at Target? Why are you more worried about that? It's ridiculous. Like, what is there a price tag on our yeah. lives? You know, it's like Target can't come right. back. <laughs> Target will come back, but the lives that we've lost—they—it's not even a question of whether that's going right. to. And back. even like now, let's just talk about how. Yes, there's. It's been a, almost a month or so, and time is passing, and as the news has stopped. The news coverage has stopped, but people are still protesting. But you guys want to cover protests on because people are mad that now it's mandatory you wear a mask outside. But you guys want to cover protests like that. But 
but people are still protesting for black lives and lives in general but we're covering stuff that i mean you have to do it so like <laughs> why you know what i mean right. so that's that's crazy to me i feel like one of my biggest issues with um with the media coverage is the fact that police and the new and, and the media can they can be great detectives when they feel like it so i feel mm -hmm. like you know whenever whenever somebody you have to be the perfect victim and whatever the perfect victim is i don't know because um it's like they, they they will dig into whatever type of past you know a person has as to you know you know for example uh uh what what they say about trayvon martin that he had marijuana on him but he got killed it's like it's like there's nothing it's like any any bad thing that has happened in your past or let's say you're smoking right now okay well that's why he was crazy and in the range and that's why he had to kill him it's like everything every every um uh every every deviant uh thing that you've done in your life somehow warrants the death penalty all right against black people and it's just that that's my thing it's like you know there, there's never the perfect victim george floyd whatever past he has i i haven't read into it but it's just always something negative oh well he did this this and that eight years ago did karma catch him right now to you suffocating him like that's that's my thing it's just like there's always there's always something there's always something that, that the need that that the media or just people put out there to make it uh to dehumanize the victim and then i guess it just makes it not that bad or as if karma just came and got them at the right moment you know we have a history white america has a history of demonizing us and the sad part is if all of these victims were alive there would be no like case in court like you know like none of the reasons why any of us have died recently or for anything major but even if they were even if trayvon martin did have weed on him even if george floyd was on drugs does that warrant death that wouldn't even like it just wouldn't happen if they sir if they survived and went to court they wouldn't be dead for being high so it doesn't matter just because you're not the perfect human being does not mean you should die i mean i i've been saying that with uh richard brooks just because you're drunk and he even said, I'm a bit tipsy, so I'm going to not be on the road. Are you saying that like being drunk should warrant death? And I'm like, we're all college students. You know how many times you got someone that's like tipsy or high on the road? Are you kidding me? Like, let's be real. So if, you know, your, your innocent daughter from Kelly is, you know, had a few drinks with the girls and is driving back home or whatever, driving back to a dorm or whatever are you saying that if you pulled over like that would warrant her death like nothing it doesn't matter what we do literally we could be sitting in the park watching birds we can be asleep for some reason they still think it's it's just but i think we also have to then you know because go back to like that historical context we are living within the same government that said black people were three-fifths of a person let's just throw that out there so again we've been fighting all of this time to be human in every way shape form or capacity when a government that literally looks over that is that think about how common it is to, to even talk about you know a black life and somebody say but he shouldn't have ran you know but he shouldn't have uh, did this. He he shouldn't have did that. But you, but it's like you can sit there and really debate somebody's humanity, and that's not right. the same thing that's afforded, I think, across some racial spectrums. But that's because again, it's the brute, ugly face of of America. You know, like white supremacy affords people to disagree on humanity, mm -hmm. like the 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 impact of 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 another black life ending is now something that's just going to be something just the object it's like we just threw a piece of paper in the, in the trash like and it's just that the lack or the care thereof like you know so it's one of those things to where like really the the heart of it all uh more so getting to it is that like white supremacy white fragility uh white white privilege is what it is that's the problem that literally kind of throws it back on in there for us to be like you know will she was laying in her house, but I mean, she looked 
a little mean. So, you know, like people can come up with all these different excuses for why they do something. Um, and that's just real fascinating how this goes. And I think the big thing is when you call white people out on their racism or their white fragility, they think of it as a cognitive thing that they're aware of. And that if they see a black person, they're physically processing in their mind all the reasons they don't like black people. It's an incognitive thing. I don't think pe too many people understand that it's kind of embedded within the dynamic relationship between black people and white people. And just white people and any other person of color, it's, it's a wiring the back of the brain almost. So when it comes to like white fragility and it comes to calling them out on their biases or like, why do you feel threatened by this black man that's just like walking beside you? It's not that you're purposely trying to demonize him. It's just, it's an incognitive thing, but it can be stopped if you call it out. Um, I do have a question for y'all, but before I ask, Ty, do you kind of want to touch on like, um, just for the people that may not know, like what microaggressions are implicit biases on. Yes. So Tiana kind of hinted at it, like in, in her last like closing, um, is that like implicit bias is basically like you unconsciously, um, not knowing that you have a certain type of like tendency or feeling towards like a person. Um, so to give, I can probably give it better in an example. So you hear the example of there is a black man walking down the street and you have the white woman and she clutches her purse. She clutches her purse because she thinks that because the black man is typically, you know, painted as the thug or, or the criminal in the streets, that that's something that's going to happen to her while something that might not ever be present in any way, shape or form. And that's a pretty good example, though. It's just like you assume someone's entire behavior and characteristics and values based off of what you've been told. And the crazy thing is, like, you know, people talk about reverse racism and all that, da da da. The difference is we, being minorities, know how white people act, and we have receipts. There will be a lot of white people that have really never even interacted with a person of color or a black person, period. But then they'll think they know how we act and what we're about to do. So while everyone might have a bias, um, it's just really dangerous to have such a specific and detrimental vi uh, uh, view of somebody that you have really never even came in contact with on a cultural level. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of came into this podcast and I wanted to talk about this, but I'm not sure um, if you guys have seen the Instagram post going around and it basically says like, we don't get, black students don't get paid to do anti-racist work on college campuses. So um, I'll kind of touch on like why this is important to me. I didn't think that like in my four years of undergrad that I would be coming to college to talk about why this university and this world has racist ties to it. You know what I mean? So talking about like um, BSU's kind of been working on trying to get people to understand that the all the Jordan buildings and rivers and stuff like that are tied to a racist person and the the ideas that he um, had and stuff like that. So kind of like, how do you feel about having to come to college and get these people to hear you experience of being a student on campus and working towards change? That is my least favorite thing to do. Um, I do get mad or irritated sometimes because I feel like I feel like I shouldn't have to. I shouldn't have to educate educate people. Um, about about racism and stuff which is just which is so readily acceptable uh, or accessible to them um as far as the jordan uh you know like you know david star jordan and i i feel bad saying this sometimes but not really um i feel like you have to appeal to white folks um because not only was he racist he was anti-semitic which has to do with people of the Jewish uh, the ethnicity and religion. And I feel like that's where, and especially being at IU, I've never, I've never been around that many Jewish people until I got to IU, which is, that's just my environment. 
but there's a there's a big Jewish uh, community in IU. Um, coincidentally, uh, Jordan Hall is across the street from the uh, from the Jewish Center on campus. Um, but all that to say is, how do I feel about it? I feel like it's annoying and. And, and one, if you're gonna, if you want me to to come to your seminars and stuff and talk about my experience, I feel like I should be compensated. But outside of that, I feel like it's lazy work on the university to rely on me to make time for you and tell you about you know racism. Um, when the whole time, I feel like I, it, it should be there should be something that you should there should be a budget towards. There should be uh, specific plans and initiative towards. And I feel like it's just it's just. Uh, I feel like it's not a priority until now, but you see how the world is right now. And that now it's a priority. But you know, when we were talking about this, when we were talking about uh, what the, the, the intramural center, when we were talking about that in 2015, 2012, that was an issue. Um, talking about Jordan, Jordan, the whole, what the Jordan conversation that's been, that's been on the table for some years since before I got to IU. Um, it wasn't important now or then, and, you know, now we're talking about it because the world's upside down. So it really just makes me seem like it makes me feel like until your world is inconvenienced, um, you're not going to listen or you're not going to acknowledge real things. So I feel like I feel like that's that's an issue. That's something I don't like. No, I agree. It definitely is a job that we didn't like. <laughs> that's not what we came for I'm here to get educated not to educate others and I know I will always have experiences in a perspective that not everyone's going to have but also my thing is like ask someone about their experiences their perspectives whatever and then do follow it up or even come beforehand with some information like look it up don't let us be the only resource that you care to receive because it's easier. You know, it's not our job to to have those conversations at all. I agree. It's like unless you try to pay me for this conversation, especially if it's on a regular basis, right. it's like you know, it's not my job. It's really truly not my job. But we do it though because of the type of people we are. You know, it's kind of like. A double-edged sword. It's like I feel like it's almost an obligation, or doing a disservice to the rest of you know the community if I don't. So yeah. Right. And it it's like, can y'all hear me? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like it's yeah. so fascinating, like what you said that like feeling like you're doing a disservice to your own community by not doing it. And it's just like you know when we step foot on IU's campus, like you know we immediately have to become, you know, social activists or justice warriors in our respective fields because, one, there's not many people that look like us. Let's throw that out there. And you start to get into the demographics of the schools and you start to see that you're going to absolutely be the only one that shares, you know, some of the identities with your counterparts and things. And you're you're in these diversity and social justice courses and they sitting about there talking about the price of tea in China that ain't got nothing to do with the domestic issues that we got going on here. And you have to be the black student that's just like, hey, you know, let's let's kind of get to the meat of the problem here. Or it's the fact that now more than ever, you get student organizations, even on IU's campus, wanting to engage with the Black Student Union, where we've been talking, doing the same things for countless years, literally. But now more than ever, you know, it's trying to find a way to tokenize that. Like, like everybody wants to help right now. Let's let's throw that out there. Now that people have opened their eyes to racism when it was right in front of them the whole time, people want to find ways to now be active, how to help out. What the black students are asking for is, is to fundamentally not feel discriminated against on campus. And some of our... Um, white counterparts are asking for parties on Thursdays and Fridays. You know, it's not, we're not in the same bracket. We're not in the same struggle right here. Like, and it's just like, y'all priorities is different than our priorities. But it's because of being racially privileged, you don't have to think about these things. And the sad thing about what we have here, we got all 721 clubs at IU. And I think all 721 of them should be outraged about the Jordan Hall. I think they all should be outraged about Woodburn Hall because we need to stop acting like, you know, that the things or the atrocities that are happening to black bodies are not human rights violations. 
we we cannot act like this institution has not been complicit in those types of things. We have to look deeper on the fact that Jordan was anti. What is it? Semantic, semi-correct, semantic, semantic, semantic. He was, you know, racist. But his research is literally found foundation is in you know condoning and uplifting white supremacy. Something that birthed this institution in 1820 because slaves weren't free until 1865. So these are all these historical markers that we have to keep looking at. And student organizations, like I've said for so long, that some of these student organizations don't care about the things or one because of the simple fact that their inception was not meant to. Like I said a thousand and three times, some of these organizations, if they had no people of color in it, it would function completely fine because that's what it was meant to do. Mm-hmm. And you're starting to say, you know, I, mean, I never thought about that. Look at like, really think about it. If we talk about like, say, for instance, I'm just hypothetical, just throwing it out there, not being messy. But if we look at the IDS. If the IDS didn't have any people of color writing about any type of story whatsoever, we would still get stories out of them. Like, it, it ain't gonna change not one thing in any way, shape, or form. But we hear, you know, we value our black students and we want them to thrive at this institution. That's just how I feel like you know, like people talk about those, those <laughs> which, aka white people, um, <laughs> like that. That just can't get to just do that, and we just like, oh, okay, great, yeah. I'm, I'm tokenized because that's what people want to do with these black organizations now. It's tokenism as a way of saying I'm not racist. I have it. I got a black friend. I, <laughs> I got a black friend. That's the one. I got I, no, no, no. I, I, I paired with the. No, I went to BSU one time. I'm not racist. Yeah. I'm telling you. <laughs> but Kai, can, can I can I ask you a question, Kai? Please. So, so from Pat, former president, I was president of the National Panhellenic uh, Council, which is essentially the Black Greek Council on campus. Okay. Um, and one phrase which I I think is fake. I think it's uh, it's fake the word. I think it's not genuine, okay. and I, I'll call myself out on being a hypocrite, is uh, Greek unity. And every year we talk about how we can collab with other Greeks, whether it's inside the council, which is, you know, inside the black Greek system or outside. And I just don't think it's, I don't, I think that's an idea. That's an idea that sounds good. That sounds good. It's uh, politically sounding, uh, you know, sounding good. But nobody wants that. And it, it got to a point when I was there, I was president from November 2018 to May, to May 2020. Um, and I, and at one time, I just, you know, I, I sat down and I was honest with myself. I said, I have no intention or desire to collaborate, to go to y'all events. I have no intention or desire to get y'all to come to my events. It would be cool. Yeah, but that's. I'm not pandering, or nor am I asking you to, because I don't care about your attendance. Um, just because, again, like you know, while while Black IU is, you know, while all the Greek systems and BSU and ASA and all all Black IU organizations are, you know, essentially fighting for you know spots on campus to have events. All three mm-hmm. spots we have: Neil Marshall, Briscoe, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, Wilkie, and I guess the Den. And they, uh, those are the biggest spots. Um, we're fine for all four of those spots. Um, I, the, the the white Greek councils was essentially, you know, we can't drink alcohol on Thursday, uh, on Wednesday and Thursday. This isn't fair to us. And so while that was in, in the air, it was like, I sort of disassociated myself. I, I genuinely did not care to hear them. So my question to you is that, is that, do you question people's motives in trying to to be to, to, to join you and stuff? Because it's like, because when I was president, I just I just didn't care. I'm gonna say absolutely, like literally me and. But this is the thing though too is that like literally I don't know what I would do in like amidst all these conversations if I didn't have Ariana. Um, yeah. Simply because when we're sitting up here and we're talking to people, even like something like this, even this podcast that we're doing right now. We ask the very same questions we ask everybody. What's your purpose? Because it's, what are we saying? That we just worked with BSU and now we uplift, uplift black voices? No. You know, like, 
Like, what, what are we really doing? What's the end goal of all of this? You know, and we challenge everybody to, one, don't just engage with us right here, right now. We keep telling everybody to keep that same energy. We are interested still with, one, engaging with people. But me and Ariana in a heartbeat will sit down and talk and be like, I don't know if I really like these people. And it's, and it happens just like that with the swiftness and it will be, we not, I don't, I ain't got time for the fake stuff. And you can kind of tell those dynamics. What's so like, kind of what's, you can feel it. You can really feel it in the conversation, talking, yeah. even with initial email that they send to you. Mm-hmm. You can, you can really hate <laughs> hey, that email. I hate that email. You know, it's like, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I can't even lie to you how many emails we've gotten individually. We've gotten in our, our DMs. We've gotten on our collective BSU email about what can we do? 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 First of all, how you doing? How's your day going? Hello. <laughs> you know, I am a person too. And one, I don't have all the answers. So, again, when you're putting me in that position, I don't even get time to feel what it is that's going on right now. So what you can do is is orchestrate a little bit of common sense. Is that, again, black students, black faculty, and black staff have always had to do twice the work at these institutions to make sure that people understand what's really going on. Please believe that we are going to question you extensively. We're going to look at the breakdown of your organization. We're going to see, one, are you just trying to do this to tokenize us? Because we're not tokens. Okay. Because I'm telling you, you should be as mad about this. And when I call you up about something else that happened at IU, because please believe it's going to be something else that's a little racist or a little sexist or a little this or a little that. I need you to meet me with that same energy. The next question that I had was, um, obviously, throughout the past couple of days, we've seen that Dean Watson, and if you guys aren't familiar with him, um, he's in the School of Education. Um, he basically is going to be spearheading um, an anti-racist committee, or not committee, but like, I don't really know how to explain it. I kind of just went blank, but uh, basically he's going to be spearheading a program like anti-racist, kind of working on anti-racist things. I've been seeing a lot of like backlash on Twitter about it and people feeling like, um, one, like, we shouldn't have to have an anti-racist um, project going on. Two, of course, they put the only black dean in charge of it. And three, what happens to his position? Does somebody black take over his position in the School of Education? Does he get to keep his position? Like, what what is going on with that? So uh, I just want to hear, like, your guys' thoughts on, and it's not even just, like, the whole Dean Watt situation, but just using black faculty and feeling like that they can only serve in anti-racist or um, diversity and equity offices. Like, why why do they only serve in those areas and not, we, I have not had a black English teacher, a black, I've had one black professor in the School of Public Health. Like, let's just, let's talk about like, um, why they are used in these ways and how do you feel about it? So I think it's so funny because I think Ariana might as well have just put an ad on me because I definitely did tweet about all of it. I was going off at 11 o'clock at night, it, literally going off. How did I see him? Huh? That was the first time. <laughs> yes. This was the first Literally time. going off. Because, you know, for me looking at it, the only reason that I'm so outraged is I'm not mad that the man is now the associate vice president for diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm not mad at that. I'm mad at the fact that three weeks before all of this stuff blew up, you guys didn't give not one rat's ass about what was going on. And now we're starting to shift all of these black people into these various diversity positions because, again, we'll say it until we're blue in the face and whatever it is that they still don't understand is that we don't only belong at the diversity table. Mm -hmm. And that when we preach about representation, that was the only black dean that you had in the academic school. The only one. In an academic school where you only have, what is it, five, six African-American men who want to be teachers and educators. So that's something, representation, that you're instantly taking away right then and there. And we're supposed to be, oh, yay, he's going to go work and do stuff. Because now my question to whatever y'all got going on in the OVP DEMA office is, is what do y'all really do at this point that you need to keep recruiting more people to do it? Because I'm so sorry, but Mr. Winbush, I don't know what you do. 
You need a helper to help you do what you're supposed to been doing. Like, why is anti-racist not at the foundation of the inception of what your whole department is for? Mm -hmm. But three weeks ago, y'all didn't care about this. Y'all didn't. Because three weeks ago, this man would have still been the dean of the School of Education. Right. That's why I'm frustrated. Or is there nobody in the OVP DEMA like section that you have that could have been promoted? Like, I'm not mad at this man's promotion. I'm just mad that y'all now starting to care about something when students have been talking about it forever. And now you're taking it from every little speck and glimpse of campus because we have so many amazing black doctors and things like that could have absolutely spearheaded this project that one have been trying to acquire tenure for forever. Let's throw that out there. That could have absolutely did something and did this and made it absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. So again, that's like I will always say, I think the school, what they're doing now is performative activism. That's exactly well, what that's it is. Hard. The, you, you cannot tell me that it's not. I see it. I smell it. Because let's just also talk about, Tiana, I sure saw that article about you, girl, that they wrote. Um, you, you know, about you being in the, in the theater department, you know, I think they wrote an article about another a black girl that's a ballerina in the theater department. I think, you know, Ariana and myself, I think we did an article too, you know, about the stuff we've been doing. You know, Adrian, I wouldn't be surprised if they reach out to you too, yeah, my brother. I, I would not. <laughs> they gonna get next. I'm crying. Like, you yeah. know, what? like, it's, 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 it's all performative. Like, now y'all want to care. Like, that's why I'm frustrated. That's why I'm upset. And yes, I'm absolutely going to say, I hope his replacement is black. Because you're about to tell me that now we're about to have all these schools. Again, that's not, the thing is, is what people have to understand. Well, and let me first of all throw about performative activism. Let me, let me just clarify what that is. That's you now starting to activate so you don't get bad PR. So now you're not actually looking racist, you know, or, you know, saying that, you actually do comply with the different things that are going on there, that you're complicit with it. So what we're going to do is we're going to do everything that's going to look right in the media. We're going to shift all these things. We're going to now start talking about Jordan. We're going to now make somebody the new associate vice president of blah, 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 blah. We're now going to start committing to anti-racism, right? We're now going to just name a sports center after William Garrett. And let's talk about how their marketing of it. It was unanimously passed. Yeah, that's my thing. That's my question with the country period, but specifically with these businesses and brands and institutions. It's like, there's no coincidence that all of y'all are just now, ooh, like, you know, putting out their black models or their whatever. And like you said, the performative activism. And my question is like, why now? You mm -hmm. don't say unanimous because like, was it unanimous at first? Like what hindered you from doing it prior to the point in time where now if you didn't do it, you would lose money. Because remember, <laughs> it's the white man's pockets that you need to shake to get stuff done. So it's like, why now are you are you doing stuff? And like I, like you were saying, I you like why are you now doing some stuff? You know, now we want to highlight the amazing things that happen in the black community when, you know, students have been asking IDS to cover all of these things for so long. Like now we're doing this. And it's just like, you know, it looks like, you know, we as as black students are never going to be satisfied with what they're doing. But what we're asking for is for you all to be genuine. Be a honey. Like that that's that's literally what it is. And it's like I just I, I'm still I don't understand why IU has been so comfortable with having Wildermuth and Jordan and the KKK mural and Woodburn Hall. Like like why? Like and, and that's the thing, it's like so I was student teaching uh this year. Um that's a whole different situation, but I was student teaching this year and um I, and I, I asked my eighth graders um, just about uh, we're talking about Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson, third president. Uh, he birthed the Louisiana Territory in 1803. Great guy, but you know he had slaves and he raped a handful of them. Does that take away? Is it okay to acknowledge somebody who has a good professional, yeah, professional career versus his like like his his personal morals like? Like Wildermuth is like, or at least Jordan. Jordan's science and education fueled 
the final solution, like the Nazi final solution, like Hitler type, right? Like, like the Nazi party looked to America to, to, to perfect their racism. And then, and, 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 uh, Jordan, Jordan would have the first eugenics law in the state of Indiana. Um, interestingly enough, he became the first chancellor of Stanford university. Um, and it's just that like, like he founded Stanford, Stanford university. And it's just like, it's like, where's the, the, the discernment? When is it like, okay, like, yeah, he's a nice scientist. He's a good scientist or whatever. Or he, he, he went to IU and made IU look good. But, you know, his work kind of inspired somebody to kill six million Jews. Like, I don't understand, like, when is there when is there the discretion to say, like, okay, this is not a person who we name roads and rivers and buildings after. We don't, especially on campus, that has these Jewish people and black people and women and everybody that's not of the perfect race or whatever you want to call it. I don't know. But um, yeah. it, it just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't make sense. And, yeah, it, it's not genuine at all. I just read the other day, no, this morning, the NFL is going to start is the first first week of the season. They're going to sing, <laughs> the, sing the, 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 national, the Black National Anthem. For what? And it, it's just stuff like that. The commissioner apologized and said, yeah, we were wrong about Colin Kaepernick. You're about four years too late. And it's just... Okay, thank you. Someone say that. It's, like that. it's like, none of this is real. It, it, none of this is real. And it, it, it sucks. It's like, yeah, black people are just now being discovered. <laughs> it's, it's not real and it, it doesn't sit right with me and it's like it, but then on the on one hand it's like okay this isn't genuine but what's the alternative not having the uh and that's what tiana said yeah sometimes like the idea of being a token i feel like it, it can be good and when you struggle like you know it sucks that we might need affirmative action to be in a spot but i'm in the spot and now i'm about to do my work type of thing so if that's the case then i get it but it's just like you know it's either we're the, we're the token or we don't have anything at all, and I feel like that's just a, that's that's the place where we are, and it's such that you know there's there's literally no middle ground. Well, I just think, especially with any type of demand that we ask for, I simply do think us even being on campus and us even having the leisure of asking for like hmm, equality is already pushing a limit <laughs> let alone trying to actually get some stuff done and how dare we ask for you to rename a building that would you know, based off of a, a man who thought of me as as the inferior race i mean literally as a science he was like it's supposed to be the the, the fit race is supposed to survive and that we should not be surviving because we are the unfit, you know, it's why am I walking into that building? Why am I like, come on, there's so many other contributors to this country, to the state. Really? It has to be reading. It still has to be named by a white man who just happened to have a bit of an issue with how I looked naturally. So I think it's really, it's, you know, and then they, they want to they start doing stuff now. It's, it's performative activism. And it's so loud. And it's like, thanks, but what took you so long? Mm -hmm. And like I said, it's the pockets. <laughs> they, I don't know how much money they would lose, but I think that was a genuine fear that they would lose attendance if their competing schools were saying something and doing stuff and they weren't. So now it's like a fight to see which PWI does the most. And I think it's also interesting that, um, or maybe it's a different conversation, but you know, it's like, uh, it's, yeah, we're talking about racism in the in the medical field. I'm, you know, in Jordan Hall of science class, or it, it's a chemistry building, or some sort of science building. And it's, I'm, I'm learning about, you know, the the you know racism in the medical field while I walk into the building named after a racist Semitic person, and it just all just whatever. It's, it's, it's just so fascinating, you know, kind of looking at it, like how they're even going about this whole Jordan situation mm -hmm. is that, first of all, we have to look at is that it's the policy of it all. That's the problem in every type of case. Like you like we have to really turn and turn and look at the naming policy that they have for buildings is that they say. Even if they're going to go and rename a building, they have to do extensive research and really look into, you know, what this person did. Or the fact about this one, it's another thing in that policy that you all probably need to pay attention to. 
is that they also ask, ask the family of the people who it's named after any other, you know, good names that will be up for grabs. Yeah, the Jordan family. If you're looking at the policy, I I, I don't think I read it wrong. I, don't, I really don't think I don't think I. But that's that's the problem that we're really fighting here, is that one. Let let's just let's just say this. Y'all have enough people with doctorates and PhDs at this institution that can tell you why that building should not be named after Jordan, and you ain't got to do not nan ounce of research. One, IU, you're working harder and not smarter, right there. Mm -hmm. And it goes back again to like the, the performative activism of it all. It's just like they're telling us now who the ad hoc committee is, you know, and now we get all of these people with their extensive backgrounds with all of the different social justice areas of work that they did. Or now that even in the articles that are being released through IU, it's like now that Jordan is recently under scrutiny. Recently. Right. Uh, Recently, or are more you serious? To you, <laughs> to you, and and that's literally, that's literally what it is that we're that we're really going against here. So then, my question for everyone is that one, because you know I'm all about yeah, we can complain and we can talk about it, but we need to have act tangible action steps on how we are going to try and do things like within our respective fields, not overexerting ourselves as black students, but really, you know, doing something to make substantive change. Um, what can people do to truly support us is the question that I have for all of you. And it's a two parter. And what do you think the institution could absolutely do to better, you know, help us as well? You said the institution and the and students, you know, the student, I don't think we even touched enough on the ignorance of the students that we have at IU, but you know what? That's another story that's a, for another day. That's a different podcast. Um, okay. That's, that's, <laughs> okay. Um, I can kind of start. Um, I'll start institution-wise because I could just go on and on and on and on and on and on and all day about the institution. But the main thing that I right now want to see happen and change is y'all are making students come in as freshmen and take classes on sexual assault and, and alcohol use and drug use, but y'all are a predominantly white institution. Let's talk about implicit biases. Let's talk about racism. What to do in situations where you are in a, in, in a racist situation, somebody's you know, has something to say, like, let's talk about that. Let's not just talk about, yes, kids are going to come to college. You're going to do drugs and alcohol. Like, it just it is what it is. One class freshman year for three hours is just not going to change that. Um, also, using the diversity, equity, and inclusion offices for what they should be used for. Stop having them do other things that have nothing to do with their offices so they can focus on what their office is supposed to be there for. Um, and that's just the less work smarter not harder situation and then student wise it's just so like kind of hard to like what to expect out of students and say like what they should do but at this point it's more of just being informed like especially if you're not a student of color or just a black student like being informed of what's going on and and not um asking the ignorant questions that you could have probably looked up yourself uh, like don't ask me what happened to george floyd please don't because okay. Cause now I'm mad. Yeah. Like, Look it up before you ask me. When it's just everywhere, and just just being, and it's not even a lack of. And this is something I was telling Kai and somebody else. I don't care how bad you feel for me in my community. I really don't. I want you to get out there and help. Don't tell me that you understand and you feel bad. Get out there. Let me see you at a protest. Let me see you repost something. Speak about it. Like it. That's just like where I'm at with the situation and what I expect out of or what I want to see students and the institution kind of do. So. Yeah, I agree. Like save, save the white guilt. Like that's yes. not going to help. And I think, I don't, I don't think it's too much to ask that we should all be activists in some way, shape or form. Like mm -hmm. I understand that talking about this and, and waking up with this type of stuff on your mind is, is pretty taxing. So then you have certain individuals who are kind of up for the challenge and, you know, and the forefront of like the protests or like doing this, the stuff, you know, I understand if you really not about being that loud, but you can't not do anything. I don't think it's too much to ask that everyone should be trained not to be a bystander. 
on this subject. We talk about, like you said, with when you come into IU, we're talking about drugs and alcohol. And now don't be a bystander. That applies. That applies. And not to compare the two issues, but like judging my treatment based off of my skin color. Like it is bad enough that we have problems with drugs and alcohol or whatever, but that itself is a choice in terms of putting yourself in those situations. You have a bit more control in those situations. I don't have control of how someone's going to treat me based off of how I look that day, you know? So not, not that we got to train everybody to be like, you know, um, what's her name? Anyway, you don't got to be the next MLK, but you know, you can't, I don't think it's too much to ask. This is my just blatant statement. I don't think it's too much to ask that everyone be activists in some way, shape or form, speak up on it. Cause now you are in the wrong completely. If you do not, we've said it a million times and it's still the same way. This is not, you can no longer be complacent. Like we've had it mm -mm. like no excuses at this point. So save your white tears. We, that's not going to help. It's not going to help. Don't apologize for your race. That's not going to help. <laughs> but you correcting your friends when they say some some off or some funny stuff, That that's what you can do. It's the casual stuff. You don't, you don't got to be marching with a torch with the BLM. Like, just do it in your way. But do something. When your friends talk about, oh, but it was in the song, I can say it. <sighs> You know, I saw a great video on that conversation. I should have sent the link. Um, so I'm what what I guess where I'm at kind of with it is that you know, as for IU specifically, is that you know, COVID nineteen is real for all of us. Sexual assault is real for all of us. And let's talk about how COVID nineteen has more disparities in people of color. But you know, we're going to keep on going about that. But so are the atrocities that are committed against black bodies every single day. I want the same level of extensive training that they have going for staff, faculty, and students. And one, I say it's not enough just to have the training, actually enforcing it. It should be a requirement for freshmen to kind of go through knowing what implicit biases, microaggressions, racism, sexism, homophobia, all of these various things, because then I can hold you accountable. So when this actually does happen, y'all can't be fleeing to under the the First Amendment, my speech is protected because that don't make it any less racist. Mm -hmm. I think those are the provisions that need to be put in play because now nobody can say that they don't know. Nobody can. Right. They can't turn a blind eye to it anymore. They can't try and, you know, make some type of bureaucratic yes or no. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do because students now, not even just students. Black people holistically are not looking for abrasive approaches to confronting racism anymore. We're looking for you to be aggressive, blunt, strike with blunt force, like with the various things that are going on and to speak up about it. So again, you know, it's challenging you all to one, be uncomfortable because being uncomfortable is not an excuse to not talk about it. I do not care. And that's something that I will say till I am blue in the face is that as a human being, these are human rights violations. Therefore, you should be equally as concerned as you are the turtles in Arkansas that are now about to become extinct. Mm. Like that that's the thing is that like like that's what it, the consideration. We need to actually go out and engage for one thing is if you want to engage with the Black Student Union or other organizations, you can just go to the events. You don't even got to partner with them. You got to send an email. You, you ain't got to send out one email. You get on the social medias. You can go and talk to whoever y'all higher ups and stuff like that because we all connected through the institution if you really want to find somebody. Put the effort there. It's, it's the lack thereof of effort is what I don't applaud. And I will say it till I'm green in the face because I'm just turning every color of the Pan-African flag now. Uh -uh. I do not accept micro-reforms on a silver platter and calling it activism.
you are going to have to do a lot more than now just come out with a social justice research. How about we put some more money into the triple ADS department so I can take more okay. classes and have professors there? Because I'll tell you what's contradictory is seeing a Juneteenth email from the provost, but they are underpaid. That That's what I'm talking about here. These are the things that we need to start looking at. Like students ain't stupid. We see everything that's going on with this institution. They're not going to play us like we incompetent of understanding how these social, you know, social constructs and bureaucratic systems work. And I am challenging the institution, one, to stop replicating the oppressive systems that they educate us on. Like, I don't I don't need to hear no more classes about redlining. And we have enhanced normal standard standard no ac dorm because guess what that is red lining red lining because you know where all the white people are in spruce and you want to know how i know because i was an ra wow so these are the things that i'm talking about here these are the oppressive structures we're exactly trying to combat here because that's what these movements are about they're not just about police brutality. That's a small puzzle piece to the big picture. And if that's what you go to it as, you're not looking at what we're talking about here. So it's a challenging everybody to be more educated, challenging everybody to, to be uncomfortable. Because for one, I want you to just for one second feel that uncomfortable because that's exactly the same engagement that African-American people are having in every type of capacity because anti-blackness isn't just in the white culture. So that's what my challenge is. That's what I want to see. I want to see students stop putting All Lives Matter as their Twitter bio so I ain't got to argue with them. Okay. Because I want to. Oh, no. Come on. Baby. I mean, look if you buck. That's where we're at right now. I mean, you know, because I'm ready to fight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that's what I'm talking about. Like, we are personable people. We can talk. We can have civil conversations. But again, James Baldwin said it best. We can agree to disagree. But if your disagreement is rooted in my oppression, sir, I'm sorry. We got bigger problems on the horizon. So, now, you know, now, Adrian, what's, 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 your, what's your whole gripe? You know, what we need to be doing, man? See, as far as, far as students, well... I never got to answer that question. As far as like students, well, what's happening with students and uh, students and then faculty? Students, I, I just, I, it's really just a, a want to thing. I, I really don't feel like, to a certain extent, I don't really care about like what students do. I don't want to say I don't care, but it's like the 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 faculty, the institution has more um has more control and more say so than the students. So like uh, Ariana said, um. Yeah, like how Ariana said, um, you know, we have the girls, we have the sexual abuse, um, anti-Semitism, racism, homophobia, all the phobias and isms and stuff that needs to be in there. That needs to be something, um, something that's that that's uh, brought to light because it's a I don't want to say it's a new thing, but it's just like it's in your face. You can't ignore it. You can't ignore everything that's going on. I, I'd be very surprised. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised. I'd be disappointed if I you didn't have anything. If if August September comes and IU doesn't say anything about this, so like a student wide announcement type of something on the same level of the of the sexual assault alcohol class thing that I had to take um, before my freshman year, I'd be disappointed, but not surprised because IU doesn't. In my in my in my very genuine opinion, I doesn't care. But um because if they did care, then this wouldn't this whole George Floyd wouldn't be the beginning. It would have amplified that, that they should have been doing, but they don't care. It, it wouldn't be the start of what has been happening. Um uh so yeah, I feel like like you said, more money needs to be put into uh the triple ADS department, more money, more money and 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 reasonable people with good ideas need to go into the OVP DEMA um, office. Um, even just having black faculty, like black people can do more than be in the Neil Marshall, be the diversity person for the School of Education, for uh, SPIA, for whatever school that you're in. Like that's maybe, I, and I feel like I get out there a lot, but I feel like, I feel like it just, we need more black people in spaces that are not coaching people how not to be racist. Um, 
and I, that that's that's that. As far as students goes, like I said, all I'm gonna say is I don't want to get too political, but on a certain day, November 2016, life changed. Um, uh, after election day, uh, that was my freshman year. Y'all don't even know IU yet, but that's when I that's when I realized that um, I'm getting excited. Uh, that's when I realized that uh, it was just um, it, it was a different world than what I grew up in. But um, but but yeah, I I don't know what to do about the student side, but I know that faculty has the all faculty can put a hold on my account if I don't pay this bill. Faculty can change my GPA if I flunk, if I flunk a cat uh, flunk a class. So if I don't take this microaggression thing then they can do whatever they need to do. It's, it's as easy as a click of a button. And if they need somebody to create it, don't ask for free student black labor to do it. I'll, I'll make a anti-racist course. Shoot. Okay. Give me the money for it and the resources. Period. <laughs> okay, but shout out to the triple AD because mm-hmm. uh, the social, what was that class? <clears throat> social issues within the African-American community class taught by Queen... Dr. Abagunde, shout out to her. She knows I love her. That's a great class to take, specifically for people who want to, actually not even people who want, everyone that should be an ally. It's a great conversation. I'm not going to lie. I took that class and I thought it was going to be all black and I was about to be like, hey, you know, what's up? No, it was a very colorful class and I actually really liked that. It had a half the class was white and I really liked that because I was seeing their thought process and seeing their eyes being waking up or like we talked about Emmett Till and like half of them know about that. That's interesting, but I'm not going to beat you up for it or whatever. You're just training to be an informed ally. So to anyone or, you know, short changes that you want to make in your life and your college life, take a triple A D class. And watch the movie. You said you watched Roots. I was, uh, my parents made me watch Hotel Rwanda when I was a kid. Informative. Mm, uh, I wouldn't want to do it, but yeah, I feel like some of those movies have a it's, it's a good starting point. You have to watch them. Yeah. Well, that was amazing, y'all. I don't think they're really ready for this conversation. I don't think they really are ready for this conversation because we didn't just, you know, shine the light on a whole bunch of stuff that I use not doing, performatively doing, or one that they're just falling short of. Um, but one thing we want to keep with this conversation, though, know, thank you again to Tiana, to Ariana, and to Adrian. But we are challenging everybody to keep this conversation going. Keep this same energy two months from now, one year from now, 10 years from now, and still care the exact same that you do. And that's what this conversation is for. And just to provide more insight on what the black students really feel. Now, again, talk to them engage with them genuine relationship building that's what we want to see and that's how we can work towards a better more equitable future for us all in this whole thing in this chapter of life we call college and shout out to anthony and sadia yes thank you for this we appreciate you guys i'm clapping right now All right, guys. Thank you so much. Shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day. And this is only the stepping point from here. We're going to continue to do more and more. And like you said, keep this conversation. It's not going to stop here. It's going to continue in the fall. And let's just say IU is not ready for what we're about to do. So I want to thank you guys all. Um, I hope you continue to stay safe. And to our listeners, thank you guys so much for listening and stay tuned for more.